Welcome to the Bread and Circuses Podcast, brought to you by Digital Pizza, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns, and enjoy this shit show. It's a pleasure being here, Rooster. Thanks. (laughs) What uh, what am I doing right here? Uh, white power. Nope. What? What are you doing? What is that? That's that's the white power hand signal. No, no, no. Only if you're a moron. Okie dokie. Only if you're good at being trolled. You're doing okay. Close. Three. Zero. Thirty. Okay. Thirty episodes. Oh. Are we actually? We're on 30 episodes. We're on 30 episodes. I think I brought this up to you before we recorded and I forgot. Yeah, you did. Because <laughs> you're old and your memory's busted. Yep. All right. So. Well, happy, happy 30th. Thanks. Yep. Happy 30th to you, too. <laughs> I haven't heard that for a long time. <laughs> many, many moons. Um, before we stopped recording last time, you were going to rage about intersectionality. I was, but then I changed my mind. Well, I think I'm going to relate oh, your no. intersectionality okay. fire here. So this is not speaking just on this topic, but intersectionality in general. So Minnesota Women's Press is a magazine you picked up for uh, reasons we won't discuss. Okay. Okay. Uh, but this is Minnesota Women's Press. Powerful. Everyday. No. no. Women. Powerful, period, every day, period. That's why I was putting Women. periods in my period. sentences. Yeah, but I was really popping those periods. <laughs> like like only like only a, a lesbian, black, uh, disabled woman can do. Yep. Yep. Popping those periods. <laughs> that was uncomfortable silence. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say to you. All right. Sometimes you <laughs> take it too far, and all I can do is watch your car go over the cliff. All right, and we're back. So uh, this this article, I'm not going to get into the whole article. It's um, part of it reads like comedy, to be honest. But uh, there's this article in here about a man who has, I'm using air quotes, transitioned to a woman here. Is he not? Is he in the process of transitioning, or has he "quote unquote" transitioned? Don't know, don't care. Because then you were misgendering. No, I wasn't. By calling him a man. Uh, that person's DNA has an X and Y chromosome. In <laughs> everyone, um, I'm so, I'm sorry to tell you this, but the Democrats are all about the science. It's it's science, pure and simple. Sure. So get with the science. Yeah. Okay. Um. But there's a, this is not a quote from the person in the article. This is, seems to be like just from the writer. And it says, shifting from a pres- a position of privilege. There's too many damn P's in this episode so far already. Yeah. Shifting from a position of privilege as a white educated male professional to the marginalized status of trans self-employed woman opened her eyes to the previously invisible people she'd overlooked. Wow. Okay. The problem I've realized I have with this sentence is that these social justice warriors, everything for them is projection of their worst parts. In other words, they think they're nothing but virtuous. They can't, they can't do badly other than to sort of acknowledge that it's possible that occasionally they might do bad things. But, you know. But it's coming. But they're coming from a good place. Yeah, they're coming from a good place. Yeah. That they're virtuous, but so when they have these thoughts, like we have to take guns away from people because people with guns will just rule over other people and they'll just shoot people they don't like. You don't. If if that was something a lot of gun owners did, we'd have way more people getting killed. Yeah. Because there's like 150 million gun owners in this country. Yeah, that's projection. Like you said, that's projection on their part. They thinking, they know they can't trust themselves with guns, and so why would they trust anybody else with guns? 
Because surely they're not different than anybody else. They don't have mental issues. <laughs> but so this person is saying that it wasn't until I put myself in the position of these other people when I took away my educated white male privilege attitude and made myself a minority, you know, mm -hmm. bought a bunch of rungs in the uh, oppression Olympics, that I really understood where these people come from. And so because I didn't get it, nobody else gets it. And now it's my job to make under, everybody understand the plight of these people who, by the way, I'm now a member of. And it's just like they, they take their worst characteristics, which is the idea that you can just ignore certain people because you came from a position of privilege, their word, not mine. And you did ignore those people. That everybody else does because you being virtuous, no, no one could have acted better than you. No, maybe you sucked as a human being. And you still do. Yeah. And the thing is, you're not going to fix it by transitioning to being um, you know, another gender or transracial or, or whatever. Get trying to get rid of your privilege points and, and, and gain, um, um, gain virtue by um, checking off the, the victim points. It's not going to work for you. It's not going to make you feel better. You're going to get just, you're going to get more and more miserable because all these fuckers that you see in the, in the depths of all this kind of bullshit, they're miserable. Yeah. And it's not fixing them. It's making them worse. And they just don't say it. Well, they think living a traditional lifestyle or, 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 you know, being socially conservative is restrictive and stifling. And it actually, if you talk to women that, that, and men, that have a traditional family and, and uh, uh, traditional gender roles and, and don't share the chores and have, you know, the man takes the garbage out, the woman does the dishes, whatever, you know, I mean, it's not that cut and dried, but traditional uh, roles, they're happy. Yeah. Well, I saw a uh, Time Magazine article, I think it was last year, that said it shows now that men are doing 50% of the domestic stuff. Yeah, this egalitarianism is bullshit. It's not, it's not conducive for, to a good relationship. Uh, women that live in egalitarian relationships um, tend to um, not respect the man they're with, and the men don't respect themselves. Egalitarian relationships are defined as? What? That, that there's, no, there's no defined gender rules. So the, instead of being a soccer mom that, that, that's a soccer dad, um, instead of um, him bringing home the paycheck, he stays home with the kids or... Or they split 50-50 everything. So one day he's going he's gonna to do the cleaning the gutters out and putting the ladder and cleaning the gutters out. And then next week she's going to um, um, fix the lawnmower. <laughs> Whatever the fuck, which is bullshit. But that's that's the goal. You're saying women can't fix lawnmowers? But, no. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. That is hate speech. Um, the, but more and more what they mean when they say that the egalitarian thing is that it's, it's, it's switching the gender roles. So anything traditionally male is is switched to the traditionally traditionally female, and they call that egalitarian, which really isn't, but that's what they're calling it. And and the men that do that are cucked, and they, uh, and uh, you know, and literally sometimes. <laughs> you com you completely lost me in a pile of SJW bullshit terms. Okay. You word vomited me vir virtue on me, and I I'm lost. <laughs> but. My point is that these people take stuff because they don't think that anything about them is bad other than what they used to be. They've they've gone from the pupa to the wonderful butterfly. And now you pupas just don't get how bad you are, right? And I'm not talking about people who are transitioning. I'm saying anybody. And I mean, these people have these revelations and they think it's their job to tell everybody what that revelation is and then almost kind of use government as a tool to force people to do that you know yeah have you seen this buzzfeed uh channel the try guys yeah go out and try stuff. super soy yeah and they went out and they they had one where they went out and tried shooting guns and they shot him and they're like it's kind of fun actually <laughs> did you ever see the one where they went and had their testosterone level tested no all low everyone <laughs> they're shocked by how low their testosterone levels were did it just come out as like 
there's a whole lot of soy in this. <laughs> no, that's true. That's really what really did happen. Crying soy tears. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but I, this whole idea that, like, I didn't do something right in my life, so now I've got to show... It. So this person here would do this whole thing where uh, he, she, whatever. Uh, and I'm not saying hateful. whatever. Yeah. I'm not saying that to be hateful. I I really don't know what to call somebody who transitions. I mean, in my mind, a man who transitions to a woman is still a man. Do I care? Not really. I don't you, care. You know where it comes down to for me, and, and this is probably... Uh, happens quite a bit to the trans community they call it passing privilege so if yeah. a guy can actually pass himself off as looking like a female then it's it's a lot easier to go through life acting and dressing and, and saying hey i'm feeling because most people are going to go that that looks like a female so i'm going to use the pronouns without thinking about it because i don't sit there and look at a dude in a party city wig i'm looking at a woman i well, think who's the conservative trans person on uh Blair, Wh- Blair, Blair White. White. Yeah. You uh you told me about Blair White and I watched a couple of videos and I I had a hard time thinking of Blair White as a guy. Yeah, I mean there's some uh, there's some things that kind of give it away. I mean it, it reminds me she see I said she. She reminds me more of like a Kardashian because of the extensive plastic surgery that they go through to get these the the duck face and all that kind of stuff. And uh that's kind of like the impression I get. So I don't think of the Kardashians as men. They're just extremely plastic surgeried. And so Blair White's an example of... Um, looks the Kardashians weren't men. They aren't men. Is that what... what it, that, <laughs> like you said, I think of them like the Kardashians, like we're talking about trans people. Oh, okay. But no, yeah, I said that wrong. But anyways, so I, I probably will think of if they have passing privilege and they kind of look pretty pretty female i'm probably going to easily slip into that saying she her or whatever when i'm referring to that person uh if it's if it's a guy that's got the jawline of a dude and the voice of a dude um and you know everything else you know just tells you this is not a woman i'm i'm just not sorry it's not going to happen you might as well give up it'd be it's it's like an ugly dude thinking that um i'm gonna look like uh um who's a handsome fella um Oh, I can't think off the top of my head. Antonio Banderas. Uh, sure. So, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I'm going to try my damnedest to transition to Antonio Banderas, even though I'm five foot four and oh, so uh, is he. and 300 pounds. Um, I, I'm I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to feel better about myself because I'm I'm telling people that I'm I'm I look like tra- uh, Antonio Banderas. Oh, that's what I'm transitioning to, and everybody's like, "Yeah, right." Give me a call when it happens. <laughs> well, just the idea though that. So this person transitions and looks back at who they were and says, that person disgusts me. And I've had this revelation. So everyone who was what I, who is what I was has the same issue. So I need to educate them. And if they don't listen, I'm just going to scream it at them or I'm going to try and get people elected who will make them do it. Well, that's the same attitude you get from the people that it, it basically slides into that uh, re-education kind of, you know, the gulags, the re-education camps and the wrong think and all that. They they think they've got it figured out. They're virtuous. Anybody else that doesn't toe that line has something wrong with them and needs to be re-educated forcefully probably because, you know, they're going to drag him kicking and screaming into into their virtuous uh, worldview. Now, people will say... Well, the right does it too. Look at the Westboro Baptist Church. I will absolutely grant you that, that there, there are, are yeah. that there is a religious wing of the Republican Party or conservatism in general that has that self righteousness to it. I'm not going to deny that for a second. I'm going to say your average it's marginalized. Yeah, your average run of the mill conservative may have those very same revelations in different sorts of things. It says, "I was this, now I'm this." All those people who don't. Uh, Fuck it. It's not my problem. You know, they yeah. tend to go on with their lives. You yeah, know? The, the extremes on the right at this point have been marginalized. The extremes on the left are, are their, their voices are drowning out everyone else. Well, I and, think- and, the, and the rest of the left are either kowtowed or, or whatever, but they're not speaking up. They're letting them be to speak. They're letting these freaks speak. For, and when I say freaks, I mean like the hardcore leftist SJW types. Um, are speaking for 
regular people on the left and, and they're allowing it, it seems like. Well, look at, I don't think there's a better example of how the right treats the extreme right than when you talk about these, uh, the, uh, what was the march that they just had? It was the Charlottesville, Charlottesville one. Well, Unite the right. Yeah. So it was a shit show last time. Yeah. The original Unite the right, the premise was basically freedom speech and the kind of the, the new right getting together to kind of solidarity and it turned into, um, the the ethno nationalists because a small group of them showed up yeah kind of taking control of it and like being the loud the loudest voice there yeah and and that kind of ruined it for the rest of them they're like hey we're not and, and it was a lot of them weren't even right these these ethno nationalists they were like socialist ethno nationalists yeah. so so then everybody was like oh they're going to show up again and so the people on the right were like you know what this year let's not go yeah let's just let the nut jobs show up and like twenty showed up yeah. It was a complete failure. Yeah. And the left more left, media, I think, more leftists in media than there were any of these yeah, marchers. The the progressives looked at it and go, yeah, see, fell apart, didn't it? No, it fell apart consciously because they said, we're not showing mm. up with the nutcases. Well, a good example of that is, uh, I know I talked about this a while, it was quite a while ago, but Comicscape is something that's that's happening right now. So Marvel and DC and a lot, of, and uh, all, some of the smaller press comics are, are very, very SJW now. Now, wasn't DC sort of staying out of that? They were, but they're, they're, they're coming into it too. There, there's a lot of, um, a lot of liberal kind of bullshit going on with DC too. Um, it's not as blatant, but it's there. Um, but Ethan Van Skyver was an artist for DC. He quit DC because he was an, an, an out, an open Republican. And he's a moderate. I mean, he doesn't even consider, he considers himself a, uh, in the mold of JFK conservative. You know, if JFK, you know, uh, were alive today, he'd be a Republican is what a lot of people say. He probably would be. So, you know, anti-communist, um, um, anti, um, oh, there's a couple of stances he'd take that were, would be considered conservative now today. But, uh, oh, uh, lower taxes, all that kind of stuff. So anyways. Um, well, that's because he was a rich man of privilege. Yeah. So Ethan Van Skyver is, is kind of the center center kind of face of of Comicsgate now is what they call it, where a lot of the people that um, are were outed as conservative or not towing the leftist bullshit line were basically blacklisted um, and and maligned by the comics industry and, per, and professionals and editors in the comics industry. Um, so they started their own thing. They started their own like you know. Indiegogo's and Kickstarters and started making their own direct to the consumer books and they're doing really well and it's 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 scaring the the main um, um, publishers because they're losing business they've yeah. been losing business for t- almost ten eight eight years now I think well it might have been less six to eight years and it's just getting worse and worse the thing is though there's there's Comicsgate which is a diverse group of people black hispanic women there's even trans people involved in it but they're still being labeled as hardcore you know right wing racist misogynist well there's another guy named box day yeah he's a uh he has a publishing house called castilla house and castilla house and he um is a is kind of he's a pretty much an ethno nationalist. I mean he's he's a he can he can be considered a misogynist and a racist, and you'd probably go, yeah, I'll give it to you, probably. I mean, um, he tried to kind of shoehorn him, himself into Comicscape by producing his own comics called you know like alt right comics or some shit like that, and tried to even take the name Comicscape and 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 like uh, use it for his own purposes. And the Comicsgate guys like Ethan Van Skyver said, no, 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 we're not part of this guy. This guy's bullshit. He's trying to horn in on this shit and make us, you know, we're not part of this bullshit. And they're marginalizing him by themselves without any, you know, external, you know, um, uh, forces telling him to do that. Same thing happened with uh, with publishing with Larry Korea, with the Hugos. Um, the Hugos were awards given to sci-fi and fantasy books and it was increasingly SJW clicks that were awarding and receiving these awards for these books. Um, and Larry Korea wanted to point out, he's like, hey, you know, conservatives can't get a, can a foot in the door because it's these liberal clicks and I'm going to prove it. So he uh, did this, it was called the Sad Puppies Campaign. And it was interesting because the whole point of it was to kind of just prove the the nature of what the U.S. are and and that it's a, a, a clickish kind of... Um, insular group that's voting for themselves by themselves and he he kind of quote unquote rigged it and got he he promoted 
himself and other conservative books and had people you talking about Larry or Vox? Larry Korea. And had people vote for him. And, and just to show that, you know, uh, popular books can win these things. And it, it, it was it was interesting. But then Vox got involved in that, too. Vox Day got involved with that. And he did his own little side thing called Rabid Puppies. And kind of muddied the waters. Because now you got... They were calling Larry Korea and people of his ilk right-wingers. They are calling him misogynists and racists and all that. Even though Is it, Isn't Larry Norn as the international lord of hate? Yeah. <laughs> During this time, that's what he... That's the label he... he he got us. It's actually pretty funny. Um, but Box Day got involved and did muddy the waters because he he made people believe. Well, he's on the same side as as the sad puppies and these guys, and they're you know he's a he's a racist, misogynist, and hates women and hates whatever. And and so yeah, but but and and in that instance, they really didn't distance themselves. The sad puppy campaign didn't distance themselves from rabbit puppies because I said, hey, we're not in control of this guy. He can do what he wants. He can name it whatever he wants, and if you've got people following him, I don't care. And so they didn't say, hey, you're not part of this. Get away. Whereas with Comicsgate, they're doing it. They're saying to Vox, they're like, Vox, you're fucking it up. Get out of here. <laughs> well, didn't you say you think you suspect, although not likely, you think it's possible Vox might be trolling people? Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a he's a pretty intelligent guy. He wrote he wrote some good books, actually, about one's called SJWs Always Lie. And it's it's actually kind of a play. It's a book for people that are getting attacked by social justice warriors. Like a business, if you're in a business or a company, and and you've got a bunch of social justice warriors in there, or if you're in a group, it's like how to deal, how to spot them, and how to deal with them. And it and it's true. I mean, a lot of it's very good stuff. But he's an asshole. <laughs> well, he can be right and still be an asshole. I will say, I mean the the uh, SJW movement just in general doesn't. They, I mean they. Talk about how they hate bullies and all that. All they do is bully people. Oh yeah. I mean, if you if it's one on one, they bring another person. If it's two on two, they bring four. They just they keep throwing stuff at stuff, and they and they don't allow for debate. They don't no, allow for they, for they don't any want kind it. of yeah. They don't want it. Um, but the big problem with that I have with it is you know not only the bully tactics, but that people won't stand up to it because if you do, they just seem to sort of, I mean, they may get louder for a while, but then they kind of back off. It's like watching a 600 pound gorilla charge somebody, you know, they make a bunch of noise and they run at you and they slap the ground and everything. And there's not much they can do until you turn your back and they hit you with a bike lock. But yeah, you know, yeah. Put your hands up and drop to your knees. Then you get hit on skull from, uh, with a bike lock and then disappear into the crowd that covers for you. Yeah, exactly. So. Well, didn't they catch that guy? Yeah, but uh, they found out who it was. He was a professor, and uh, the judge threw out the case against him. Why? I don't know. I just uh, there was a couple. Uh, I didn't. I didn't hear exactly why, but there was a couple posts saying, "Yeah, the the bike lock professor got away with it. Got away with the crime." Huh. So, um, so along these lines, it it it's almost. It's almost comical. It goes the other way, but uh, Sargon of Akkad, mm-hmm. Akkad, whatever, he had a video where he posted. It was this woman who went to interview a um, Orthodox Russian Christian. Oh, I saw this. Did you see that? Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. That was, that was funny. He, I mean, he started off saying, "Okay, you know, this will be funny." Just and halfway through it, he's going, "Okay, I don't agree with this guy at all. I really want to be clear about that." Um, but it was just the look on the woman's face the whole time. And it was stuff like he said, um, he's, uh, he starts off just saying, you know, women are unhappy because they're, they, they need to just submit to their husband and let him be the master. And Sargon's like, he goes, all right, I think that's kind of funny just cause master probably isn't the translation right. term. He goes, but. What's funny is just look at her face. She's just looked like, oh, my God, what do you mean? And then they go through a few more of these things, and and she goes, so, you know, I can't live on just fresh air, so, you know, I, I have to work. And he's like, well, that's why you have a husband, because husband provides for it. And she just, she can't take it. Yeah. She can't even. And so she and, says. And the, and the wife seemed very content. So she goes, do you mind if I ask your wife some questions? And he goes. Uh, I'll allow you to ask her a few questions and they call her over and she comes over and she's, she's very not, um, not Handmaid's Tale 
yeah. dress, but I mean, she's got her That's very, hair yeah. up in a scarf and she sits down and she goes, I wrote a book on, uh, uh, my husband beats me or something. Like <laughs> something really, really and that was where Sargon's like, okay, okay, I can't stop laughing at this yeah. because of the look on this woman's face, but no woman should let a guy hair, yeah. none of that. He goes, but he goes, God, this is priceless. And the woman was basically, and, and she goes, wow, did, why would you? Because women are crazy. Why did you let him? And, and, and why well, sometimes let... women need a strong hand is what this woman said. And you're like, holy shit. You're like, oh my God, lady. But then it was the way she delivered it too. It was like, it was like matter of fact and kind of happy. She's like, yeah, you know, that's, that's, what, that's what I, it wasn't like she was like downtrodden. And that's why this, this, this woman interviewing was so like flabbergasted. She was like, well, what's going well, yeah, on she here? She said something like, uh, she goes, well. Why would you let him raise your hand? He's like, well, we women, we can be vindictive. <laughs> that's, I think that's the term she used. <laughs> we can be vindictive. We're vindictive creatures. Yeah. And this woman's like, oh my god. And yeah, the that interviewer was, was like, I just, I can't take this anymore. And the husband's just sitting there like, yeah, I told you. <laughs> and there was one point where she even goes, uh, she goes, well, um, oh, what was it? Something. She goes, well, how often has your husband hit you? And the husband goes, yeah, don't answer that. Yeah, yeah. At one point, he's like, <laughs> he's that's like, enough of that. You've, you've, she's Over answered your welcome at this point, yeah. But she, I mean, she actually wrote a book on why my husband beats me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how he should do it. <laughs> just, how to get the best effect out of it. It's like really weird. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was too far out there. It no. started off funny just watching her reaction yeah, to I the think, guy saying. Exactly. You know, your husband should be in charge kind of thing. And, and she was like, oh, okay. And the, and the feminist was just kind of like, what? And then she's like, can I talk to your wife? And it turned into, yeah, he kicks the shit out of me once in a while. But I kind of got it coming. And, and you're just like, all right, all right. That's, it's enough. You know, no, so, no sane person should agree with that. Right. But, but yeah, it was, it, it did sort but of. But that's kind of what, that, that kind of reinforces probably in her mind what a traditional marriage will be. Then she goes, well, that's what it devolves to. That's what, it, that's what it did. Um, um, not devolves. That's what it, um, it, it turns into. So you've got a traditional relationship, traditional marriage where the, where the man's going to provide and the woman's going to do the raising of the children and the keeping of the home of the household. She goes, but, but it will default to this. This is what that will become. So that can't be good because that's what she's thinking. I know it's what she's oh, thinking. The feminist, yeah. Mean? The feminist. So she'll see this as if this is just, yeah, this might be, they might be more blatant and open about it, but this is what it is. This is what the my patriarchy is. And this is when you have a traditional roles for man and woman. Um, what it comes down to is the woman is going to be subservient to the man. And he's going to beat the shit out of her. if She gets out of line. And that's what she's going to get away, come away from this from thinking about everything. Um, concern, you know, if you've got a traditional family or, and that's, that's, too, you know, that's not good because that's not how it is. Well, and to her, it's going to reinforce this idea of, oh yeah, well, that's how Christians think too. You know? Well, I, I know we listened to a podcast, uh, Beauty and the Beta, um, and Matt Christensen is, is one half of it and the other half is blonde. She doesn't give her a real name because, it's you know, something. Yeah, but for doxing reasons. Um, and she lived in Seattle, so she was surrounded. It was her her, her channel was called uh, "Blonde in the Belly of the Beast," and that's where she started basically talking as a conservative woman, traditional conservative woman, in in a, a liberal stronghold. Um, and she was from a she's a smart she's very she's beautiful and she's smart and she's she came from like I think finance. You had, you had to mention she was beautiful first. Yeah, she came from a world of finance, and she was kind of doing the rat race thing and living the the feminist kind of life and she realized how unfulfilling it felt for her. So, and she was closing in on 30 and she realized she calls it blonde's disease, um, named after her. Like if you start getting close to that, to 30 without having kids, you start going crazy. And she goes, so she, she, she said, I got to do this. So she buckled down, you know, found a, found a relationship, found the right guy, found the relationship and she's, they're working on having kids. And, uh, she said, she's, she's willful and she's, you know, she's, She's um, she's a, obviously smart and she's willful and she goes she needs a strong man to kind of put her in her place at certain times and she said and she says it without being like she's not being ironic and she's not being and she'll joke jokingly say it but you know she, she's serious about it. she's like yeah I do need that I I can go off the rails women go off the rails but of course she's the one that says women shouldn't vote too 
Yeah, she's like, don't let women run anything. Yeah. So don't, don't ruin it. But <laughs> but there are women out there like that that like that idea of being in a traditional relationship and are happy in that traditional relationship. I'm not saying they're they're waiting for their husband to tell them where to go and what to do and beats them if they get out of line. That's not the situation they're in. No. They wouldn't allow it because she wouldn't allow something like that. But they do like the dynamic of having a guy that's going to make decisions and be strong and be masculine and let her be feminine and not have to worry about the decisions that men have to make every day of their life to make sure that their family's provided for. She liked the idea of being able to step down and worry about the children, raising the children and keeping the household and letting the husband do that kind of stuff. Well, and there's there's a pair of couples that my wife and I know and they're not they're not related in the sense that they know each other so um, but one of them and it, it's very interesting the relationships they have one of them's got the woman's doctor and he is like a chef or something but he kind of stays home and uh, you know runs the house and all that very very nice guy like him but I'd swear that he had a husband you know um does the whole PTA thing, all that, all those traditional stuff, the growing up, you thought it was the other way around and the wife will come home and check his phone and be like, I was just going to say, do you think she actually respects him? No, no, of course not. Of course she doesn't. I think she, she looks at him and she'll go through his phone and be like, what do you mean you go through his phone? And she's like, well, I just want to see who he's texting. And it's like, oh my God, really? Are you that insecure? You know? Well, My and wife then, and, and I don't and even then, open each other's mail. And then are you that cucked as a man to allow that? Well, and you know what? Maybe he's happy with that. Oh, you, you shouldn't be. I'm telling you, men, don't be happy with that. <laughs> I Actually, women don't be happy with that. If you don't trust each other to that to that degree when you come home every day, you have to check their phone history and all that kind of stuff. That's bullshit. You, 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 then you're an insecure. You can't. You shouldn't be in that relationship or you should work hard on making that relationship work better than it is because that's not that kind of trust is important i think there's plenty of times in a male female relationship where the guy and i have no idea how it works in gay relationships so i'm not commenting but um i i think it works best when the guy lets a lot of stuff go because there's a lot of small things that build up you know if the wife says hey we're gonna put these kinds of drapes in the house you don't care that much just don't care you know it's not a big deal but when they when they start, you know, telling you how you're going to run your life and stuff, that's, I don't think just as a guy, that's something you put up with because that's going to sound stupid. I, I just don't feel like that's sort of accepting a position you're, you feel comfortable with. Like, like this guy we're talking about. I don't, maybe he's happy. Maybe that's exactly what he wants. He wants a strong woman to tell him what to do. And if that works for him, super. But I think in general, men don't like that. I think in general, men would resent that. Because there is, a, there is such a thing as a masculine and a feminine dynamic in a relationship. There's, there's masculine traits and there's feminine traits. And no matter how hard you try to erase them with this bullshit in, you know, in society, this egalitarianism, um, it's still going to be there. And yeah, there's going to be outliers. There's going to be situations. There are going to be people that, that don't conform to that naturally and you know there's the gay stuff <laughs> like you said i can't speak on it. i don't care man i suspect there's probably some of that dynamic in, in well, even, a, even gay and, and lesbian relationships i'm sure there's there's kind of more masculine more more of a dominant more a submissive and more feminine kind of um you know roles that are played it's not equal but uh, getting back to what we originally talked about in this people projecting stuff on other stuff i feel like as a conservative person that social liberal fiscal conservative i see that relationship of that couple we're talking about the man staying at home seems kind of seems kind of soft and all that stuff i don't feel the need to speak to him about it and talk to him if it works for him i don't care yeah you, you don't it's sit there and go like my, dude you gotta do this you gotta really show her who's business. boss yeah you know so i just look at it and go it's not mine i'm staying out of it whereas if it was the other way around and it was a and it was a uh, you know liberal looking at it. Now in this case, they'd say no, that's how it should be. But if they saw a couple where I remember this uh, college friend of mine, his wife, they're over to a friend's house, and she was really worked up telling us the story because they're all sitting around together, right? And the husband is talking, so there's like six of them sitting around. The husband from the host, you know, he and his wife are sitting there, and he's talking, and his wife's 
talking to or sitting there and he has his coffee cup. They've eaten dinner and stuff and he has his coffee cup and he looks at her and kind of wiggles it because it's empty. She gets up and walks in the kitchen and comes and fills the coffee cup. Cool. This, my friend's wife was so offended. She had to go on and on about that. She's like, can you believe that? And I'm like, maybe that's how they like it. Maybe. Yeah. And she had to make a big deal out of it, you know, and be like, no woman should be treated like that. Look, if if she does that because if she doesn't, he'll hit her. That's, that's one, wrong. Yeah, that's one thing. That's wrong. But if that's a role, if she likes providing for him like that and feels good to do it. Yeah. What what the hell is wrong with that? And then that, that that is that provider kind of that is the uh, what's the term? There's the the man the provider and then the woman is the caretaker. That's that's the role breadwinner. Yeah, and, and so she feels good taking care of him, you know, in, the, in that domestic situation. Yeah, and she has kids. She probably feels good taking care of the kids. Where he's like, uh, I'll, provi- I'll provide for them. <laughs> maybe maybe she doesn't. Maybe he kicks the shit out of yeah, her. And, but, I don't and know. then that's not good. We're but not, that was yeah. where her brain went. Yeah, her brain. Yeah, went she, to that. she says, "Well, if he's if she's doing that, she, he's got her cowed, and he's probably beating her. He's probably raping her. Yeah, they're married. She doesn't want to have sex with yeah. him, but he's making her do it. You so, know. And so I just again we get back to this thing about they're projecting stuff, and so she. Was like, I don't know if I can hang out with that couple anymore because I just can't. I can't stand how he treats her. And I'm like, everything was fine until you saw him wiggle a coffee cup, you know? Well, how quickly she acquiesced. Yeah. I mean, she should never. Women should, she should, what she should have said is says, fuck you, get your own coffee is what she should have done. How about, how about this? Let's look at this another way. He was talking, telling a story that he was in the middle of and he did because they've been married for a while. <laughs> My wife and I'll do this. She'll be like, "Yeah, can you get the thing with the thing?" I'm like, "You mean the that with this?" She's like, "Yeah." And we're like, "Yeah, we've been married long enough. I knew what you were talking about." Maybe she that couple knows each other well enough and he's looking at it like, "Hey, while I'm doing this, can you?" And she went she went and got coffee. Maybe if she had been talking, it would be the other way around. But she saw this one little incident from a couple that they knew and been hanging out with before and hadn't had a problem with until that moment that just completely set her off. And to me, that's the difference between a liberal mindset and a conservative mindset, taking the re- the religious part of the conservative mindset out. It, it's the conservatives just, they don't generally project well, and they live their fucking life. Well, I am going to kind of uh, try to push back a little bit. Shut that, up, you're wrong. Because I've had friends. Uh, that no, aren't, aren't see now it's a lie. They aren't they aren't close friends. How's that? Okay. Um, they're more than acquaintances, but they're not friends. How's that? You've known them for a while, but you don't like them. <laughs> well, that's the thing. <laughs> I find out that they've got this kind of uh, relationship where where the dude is basically cucked, and and it's you know girl power rah rah, and he's you know he's nebbish and he's like doing all the. The t- typically feminine chores around the house uh, decided that you know um, he's not going to work anymore, and she's going to bring home the bacon. And I personally am not going to tell them how to live their life. I'm not going to go, dude. You're a you're a man. Act like it. I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to be. I'm not going to have any respect for that guy and that relationship. And and I'm not going to want to like hang out with them and uh, like oh I'll get together with my kids and, and your kids and let's go and I'll have a play I'll have a play date my kids will go over to your kids house or your house and hang out with your kids no because I know the f- fucking dynamic of that is fucked up and I don't want it I don't want my kids to be dealing with that so no I get what you're saying I I feel the same way in a different way about insecurity I can't stand insecurity it makes me angry you know and I'm not I'm not talking about people who say you know, I don't really want to have an opinion on that because I don't care. It's people who are like, uh, I, I mean, I dated this girl one time and everything was, every question she asked, whether it was telling me something about that happened at work. And she'd be like, should I do that? Should I not do that? Should I, you know, what do you think? What do you just tell me what I should do kind of thing? And I was like, oh my God, have your own opinions, you know, just think for yourself. And I can't stand insecurity. But for me, looking at your your friend acquaintances relationship, I probably wouldn't be like disgusted by it. I'd probably just be like, "Yeah, that wouldn't work for me." And yeah, I got to be honest, I'm I'm a, I'm a bit disgusted by it. Well, I mean, everybody has stuff that bugs. I guess, I guess I'm not disgust. Might not be the right word for it. So something a little bit less than disgust. What's a good word? for But that? more than uncomfortable. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I eat with that. You're not I eat? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. You're turned off by it. Yeah, it's just it, it seems like a it seems like for society, like I said, you, you start getting we're drifting into that whole thing where there's less defined gender roles and our society is not better off for it. That's well, what I'm seeing. But and same... I'm seeing people that that turn towards back because younger people are starting to turn towards back towards traditionalism and that kind of like the male female dynamic in a family and and they're happier for it. Yeah. So, well, to sum up quick on this point and then I had one other couple I was going to talk about that that was really interesting. This this other couple that I knew, she's got an IT job and she makes really good money. She's the breadwinner. And she goes, one day we're sitting around and she goes, feminism sucks. <laughs> I'm like, what? And she goes, yeah, she goes, I'd rather be home, you know, raising kids and not having to work. She goes, feminism fucking wrecked it for me. Because she went to college and got a high-paying job that they can't. Do they have kids? Yeah. They can't get out of that now. They can't have her not have that job. Her husband has a good job. He just doesn't make as much money as she does. And it would be a big inconvenience for them. And she's like, but I don't want to do this. And they're fairly traditional, you know, and other than that. And, I mean, conservative. And she's like, I'd rather just be staying home. Yeah. You know, and I'm like. Man, you can say that. I can't. I can't go, feminism sucks, you know, because people will be like, you prick. So um, when when you were talking about more traditional, it made me think of a good college friend of mine. Uh, we're just having dinner with them, and his wife has been a stay-at-home mom and wife since they got married, right? Um, and she had a really good job before they got married. She was a pharmaceutical salesperson. She sold her shit ton. She did really well. Um, she quit that when they got married and sort of became a stay-at-home wife and mother. And she says, it was, it was a perspective I'd never thought of before. She goes, when people say to me, hey, your kids are really great. She goes, well, they should be. She goes, thanks, because that's my job. My <laughs> job is to stay home. Yeah. It was the jo- She's not saying, hey, everybody should do that. She goes, I viewed my job as... Staying home and making sure my kids aren't a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. You know? And uh, I never thought of it that way. And so you get a lot of... And my wife would go through this. She was a stay-at-home mom for a long time. Until our kids went off to school. It was, oh, you're a stay-at-home mom? I mean, look, stay-at-home mom is not the most noble, difficult job ever. It's not the easiest job either. It's not this... Oh, you're a chef and, um, you know... Uh, well, it's noble, but it's not, yeah. No. But it's, I mean, they'll say like, oh, if this person was really doing this job, they'd make $300,000 a year because they're a chef and a chauffeur and all of those positions pay this. No, that's not how it works. It's not an easy job. It's not a super rewarding job, but it is not the hardest job ever. Is it one I don't want to do? Absolutely, I don't want to do it. If I was just staying home with my kids, I'd go nuts, you know? Yep. But each job is for different people, so... Well, and you don't have that, like I said, that female dynamic that is made for kind of mothering for taking care of the kids. Look, if I was staying home with my kids, um, we'd have, you know, we'd get a lot of yard work done and play a lot of video games. That'd be about it, you know. (laughs) All right. Well, let's do some uh, table topics. Table topics out of the blue side brick. Um, (laughs) Rooster, which author have you read most? Lee Child, Jack Reacher. They're fantastic. There's a new one out. I gotta go get it. You know, I keep meaning to get into those, and I don't know why. I, I, st- I read the first one, and I thought it was great. Didn't like the ending of it because it was a little chintzy. Yeah, but they get so much yeah, better. Yeah, and I believe you because that movie, like you said, the movie that... Um, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, was, well, the story was really good. It was based basically exactly on that book, right? Pretty it close. stole parts of other books, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And the only oh. thing about that one is they tell you in the beginning what happened. I mean, in the book, you find out later... Like who the killer is and stuff, yeah. but no, it was good. The second Jack Reacher movie was stupid. I think I read. Uh, you read Killing Floor. Yeah, that was that was the first one, right? Yeah, yep. I thought it was really good. Lee Child, Jack Reacher. He writes one a year. They come out in September, October, November. Um, I think he just twenty three is out now, but they're wow. so good. Um, 
I think, well, when I was younger, I read a lot of the Dragonlance Chronicles and all the, like, all the books that were related to it, and there's just a stack of them. So it was Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman were the authors. You know, I read those too, and I remember, I didn't get to them until I was in high school, but I remember just how well-written they were and how involved they kept you going. Yeah. And the chapter never ended in a spot where you went, okay, I can go to sleep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you exactly. Would be like, and then what? I devoured those books. Oh, yeah. God, I did too. I uh, even the short stories that weren't directly written by them, but in the world, were, were, a, lot of, were a lot of fun, were good. So. I'm, I'm glad I found those books in high school because had I found them like junior high or something, I would have, I mean, in high school, yeah, you're living at home, but your parents will let you stay up late if you want. I mean, they like knock on your door and say, hey, we're going to bed. Um, I had nights I stayed up reading those books until one of them. Yeah, I'm the same. If yeah. I if I had done that in junior high, they would have been like taking those books away from me. Yeah, I honestly don't know when I read them. I think it might have been right at the cusp of high, like junior high, high school. But, yeah, I think it was a, I think it was a junior high school. But now I've read all of Larry Korea's books. So <laughs> all of them. Oh, I haven't started the Monster Hunter stuff. I really should. Okay, I love I love Monster Hunters. Like you know that that's what I started on, but, uh, I like the grim noir stuff, but, uh, he's got son of the black sword, which is his fantasy book. And he's got a sequel coming out for that. And it's, it's interesting because it's got, it's got its own kind of mythology. It's own, it's kind of like based a little bit on, um, East Indian kind of culture. What was the one that had Madigan or whatever the, that was based on a Warhammer. So that was, what a, was the name of that book? Um, into the storm. Okay. And that was a really, really good. Is there book. a sequel to that one? Yeah, Into the Wild is the sequel. Really? Yeah. So I I won't give anything away. I'm surprised that book had a sequel. Why? I just I thought it was fantastic. If was, I if was, I said why, it would be a spoiler. Oh, it was one of my favorites. But yeah, there is a sequel, and, and and you'll you'll get why. There's a sequel. I don't think it's as good. It's it's entertaining and it's, it's fun. But the first one was obviously really good and had a great ending and everything. But he writes great fight scenes. Yep. So okay, next one. Rooster, what's the greatest sports team of all time? I don't give a shit. That was my exact answer. You stole I, that from me. I like sports. I watch sports. I I actually don't even care for them anymore. I just I don't. I don't even watch care who the best don't ever was. Don't watch. Don't care. I watch baseball because my kids like it. I coach it. I loved playing it. But yeah. you know it's funny. But yeah, because you're probably pretty athletic growing up. And no, um, <laughs> it was terrible. Really. I, I was I was a decent baseball player. I sucked at football and basketball and all that stuff. I sucked at it. Yeah, my brother and I were pretty ath- athletic growing up and all through high school and even after high school. And, um, you know, he's in mixed martial arts and all that kind of shit. And uh, even when we were at, at the height of, of, like, training and him fighting, I didn't know the names of the different fighters. I mean, I knew a few of them. But if I didn't know them personally, I didn't care. And just like football... I don't fucking know these players. I don't fucking, they don't care about me. I don't fucking care about them. You know, it's funny. Both of my kids play, um, they play Madden on their iPads. And they'd be like, Dad, do you know who the long snapper for the Packers is? I'm like, don't care. And they're like, oh, it's so-and-so. And I'd look at them and I'll be like, I still yeah. don't care. It, it, it's the, I'm, I'm like a woman that way, I guess, because it's the most tedious thing. If I hear people talking about sports, like their fantasy fucking football leagues, I go cross-eyed. I hate it. It's just boring as shit. I can't even... The only way I can feign interest is if we start talk, talking about like politics around it. <laughs> well, like I have I have season tickets to Twins, the Twins, because I like baseball and my kids are into baseball. But my youngest now has really started getting into football, and I just don't care about football that much. I gave up on the Vikings many, many years ago. And so he's like, let's go to a game. And I, I'm looking at it like... I can't even appreciate the childhood wonder of my son going to a, his first like yeah. football game. I'm like, I hate the NFL. I just can't stand it. Well, I thought, we actually talked more about that card than I thought we were going to. Do you want to do another one? Or yeah, we... let's do one okay, more. Okay, because I hated that question. The answer to the question is, neither one of us fucking cares. We don't give a shit. We've had variations of the same question. It's stupid. What is it? If you didn't have to work, would you? We've had variations of that. We're not going to do that again. If anyone had to work, didn't have to work, would they? You'd do something, but... Yeah. If this Friday could be a holiday, what would you celebrate? These are getting... Yeah, they're really stupid. Next. These are getting worse. I mean, I have, we haven't skipped that many before. Yeah. <laughs> if you were to pledge to serve the country, what would you do? Oh, shut up. Next one. I'd pay my taxes. How's yeah, that? Oh, yeah, fuck. All right. This one's better. Who's the scariest movie villain of all time? Ooh, that's a good one. 
You gonna go first? Well, I mean, there's the cliched ones like uh, you know Jason and Freddy, Michael Myers because Freddy shows up in your dreams, kind of thing. Yeah. Freddy's kind of different though because he he can be scary. And the original Nightmare on Elm Street, he was a very scary character, but he turned a little too cartoony as the as the series went on. You know which one scared the shit out of me and just still makes me uncomfortable is the little Asian girl from The Grudge. Yeah, the yeah, the, that's that's a theme for a lot of those Japanese horror movies. The, oops, little black-haired girl with the real white skin and yeah, yeah. But that one scene where she's like crawling down the stairs yeah. and her ugh. So when they say villain, it kind of throws me off because I have I think human, like yeah, not monster. Sc- you know, that's probably a better right scariest villain. But that. You know, like people people think, well, what about Jigsaw from Saw? And like, no, nah, he's not scary. I never saw any of those. Nah, they're terrible. Like we, we we already talked about how much we hate torture porn. Yeah, I heard the first one was good. Yeah, it probably it probably was okay. Um, scariest movie villain of all time. No, I don't. I'd have to think about that and come come back around to it. All right. Yeah. So I guess what we're about fifty minutes into this. Should we call it? What was your uh, I've city got, pages thing? Well, I've got like, I went through it, the, the city pages, and I've, I went through pretty much every other page and wrote down that I needed to actually marked up, actually marked up the pages here. So the last time we actually talked about the fake news. Um, Give me your most rage-infused one out of all of those. Uh, not, I'm not going to do that because I think it would take too long, but I will do a shorter one here, page. We'll do the... Well, we've got page 20, and I wrote down in my notes, theater, that's what it's about. And then um, something called Four Colored Girls. So it's basically a racist kind of production that's very much pro-black, this, that, and the other. And if you exchange black for white in any of this, or colored for white, it would be a very racist (laughs) production. So to be clear, it says colored girls. That's not the word you're using. No, it says that, yeah. No, it says that. in the. But I don't think I'm going to go into that because I think I just kind of like... Kind of gave the gist of it <laughs> right there. Um. It's funny, you know. I it reminds me. I heard uh, so there was this one point. I was at work, and this person who works for me, this this guy had come into work, and he was going. He said, "Oh, where can I find this one business?" And we said, "Oh, yeah, here." And uh, this woman at the at the desk calls and says calls this business and says, yeah, this guy's coming to pick this thing up or whatever. So I can't even remember the context. She goes, yeah, he's a tall colored gentleman. We're like, you can't say colored. And she goes, gentleman of color. She goes, well, what am I supposed to say? Negro? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, how about guy? How about just, he's a guy. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. How about his name? You know? So there's this article, in the, another one in the theater and it's a, uh, uh titled Little Women. So there's a production at the Jungle Theater of Little Women, right? So they go through all this you know, about how it's uh, there's a lot of fancy words to describe a, a book. And they go, how do you condense this? such a lengthy thing into a short thing and blah, blah, blah. And they go, well, well you know, what we do is we, we capture the um, the essence of it. But but we update it to update it for update it for the times kind of shit. And you go, oh, okay, here we go. And here's this, this little article or this this paragraph here the play though like the novel is fundamentally the story of joe here c michael mengi absorbingly portrays a gender nonconformist in a world where that wasn't accepted on stage in a world where it's starting to be joe and laurie michael hana who has his own discomfort with the heiress gender roles strike up an affectionate friendship of mutual permission they recognize they can be themselves with one another and i wrote and i wrote my little margins here i go a man invades the story of women and becomes the center of attention. That's what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> that's a better way to put it. So that's I mean, that, that, yeah, that's my that's yeah that's that's what that what was the guy that died, does uh, puts Trump's uh, paragraphs into one sentence. Oh, Kupla Presto. Yeah, uh, that's what I did there. <laughs> I I got a message that guy and see if he would come on the podcast. Oh, he'd probably be a lot of fun. He is fucking. So funny. so there's that, and then I've got this uh, another article called "Bulletproof Classrooms: A Company Markets Gun Repellent Wall on Wheels to Keep Your Kindergarten Murder Free." Oh my god! Now, obviously, that that subtitle is, you know, 
the writer kind of putting their agenda front and center right there. Because I'm sure that's not how it's marketed to keep your kindergarten murder free. But uh, I put my little notes say a fundamental ignorance of what uh, regulations accomplish. So he, I've got highlighted. Um, uh, someone, someone, someone says that this is a great way for school shootings and to be prepared. It's not. I think it's stupid. All right. I think this rolling bulletproof wall on wheels. They have a little picture. It just looks. It's a stupid yeah. idea. But uh, this person they're talking about says Austin Berger is not so keen. This is completely irresponsible. He's a member of Students Demand Action a youth-led movement born from Parkland, Florida, school massacre. For months, the group have, has, have asked Minnesota legislatures, legislators for some form of gun control, quote, common sense, unquote, stuff, like bump stock bans and universal background checks, the kinds of things that might prevent someone from shooting up a school in the first place. <laughs> that's what got me. That's where, that's where I finally uh, fundamental ignorance of what regulations accomplish. Uh, so common sense stuff like bump stock bans and universal background checks would have stopped every school shooting and will stop every future school shooting. Did you know that, Rooster? <laughs> Can't even joke about this. I mean, I've come to realize that, you know, it, the single political issue I have. Well, I don't want to say the single because I'm huge on taxation too. But, it, I mean, between... You can you can uh, sum up ninety percent of the political fucks I give into gun control and taxation. Yeah. Beyond that, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I care, but not that much. Yeah. And people say, "Oh, you selfish bastard!" It's the only. It's what affects you. Well, yeah, okay. It affects me and the people around me that I care about. Well, I'm all about the right to not house soldiers. That's what I'm passionate about. Yeah, I mean, about. You, that's that we met in a chat group about that. I mean, that's originally how it was. So I don't even know what amendment that is. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's one of those. It's not the first. It's not the second. It's you know there were more articles in there, but I realized there's a theme to all of them. It's uh, it's uh, shut up and drink your soy. <laughs> pretty much. So I'm like, it's city pages. What do you expect? So yeah. But there's also a big article on the um, the homeless encampment that we've got here in Minnesota. We should talk about that next time. Oh, the one they're just going to move somewhere else? Yeah, it's a, a lot of natives are a part of it because it's uh, um, it's not de- uh, with dealing with the reservation or anything. But uh, it's Minneapolis's largest homeless encampment. And they call it the Wall of Forgotten Natives. That's like the, the name they've come up with it. So it's not just me saying it's full of natives. <laughs> I just I love though that they're trying to negotiate with them as to where they're supposed to move to. Yeah, and then they're I mean they're acting like it's everybody else's fault that this is happening when when there's so many programs in Minneapolis especially for kind of trying to get people out of situations like this and it's like but there's some people that just they either want to be like in this situation or they or they just self-destruct so much that no matter how many chances you give them they're going to fuck it up. Well, look, I want people to get help. Yeah, I, I really yeah, do. I do and I'm all for I'm all for the government coming in and helping people. But at the same time, um, the more you enable this stuff, the more of it you get. You know, Seattle had that thing where they were going to have their um, their homeless tax. They were going to put that on Amazon, and they decided not to have it. But someone had pointed out, well, several someone's had pointed out that they tried something along these lines. They were just going to super fund it now. They were going to pour more money into it, and their homeless problem had like doubled yeah. in the time they did it. And it was they just made it easier to be homeless. There we go. Um, for outreach workers who serve the homeless, Minneapolis's largest ever homeless camp makes it easier to distribute syringes, administer uh, naloxone, and enlist people in housing and drug treatment programs. During a press conference at the American Indian Center, to, to which camp residents were not invited. Mayor Jacob Fry promised a, promised a roof over everyone's head by September 30th. As a result, the camp nearly doubled in size. Look, I am not saying for one second that when I say you make being homeless easier, that being homeless by any stretch is easy. No. I'm just saying that, and we've had this argument on the minimum wage and lots of other things, if you make uncomfortable situations like being unemployed, 
not making enough money, not having a place to live or not enough food to eat. If you make those situations a lot easier, you're not generally going to get people motivated to get out of that. Right. You know, and it's funny to me that the people who say we have to help these people are the same people who say we have to make smoking or uh, owning a gun or any other behavior they deem bad so uncomfortable by government intervention. So on the one hand, to stop something, they admit you have to cause pain, right? You have to make it very difficult to buy cigarettes anywhere just to get people to stop smoking. But on the other hand, they'll say, but we have to take care of these people and make what they're doing easier. Right. I, I want to see kids get fed. I want to see you know, kids get Christmas presents and people have their basic needs met. But if you don't at least make that a little tougher for them to do, like not get get jobs and do those things. But if you make it, if they're living in a shanty town and you go in and you build nicer shanties, they're less inclined to want to get out of it. Well, and also they, they'll be more inclined to just treat the place like like it's not, they won't respect it like they don't respect themselves. They won't respect where they're living. It'll turn into a shithole. That's what happens to a lot of these places. You look at the some of the stories I highlighted in here. We'll talk about it maybe next time. You know, these people are talking about, well, I'm in this because of this and that, and it's not my fault, but I am addicted to drugs. And um, I, when I was living in a place that actually um, a homeless center or, or, or some subsidized place, they kicked me out because I got into arguments with the neighbors or I was having too many people come in and visit, which is another way of saying that I was having drug dealers showing up or I was or we were allowing people to, you know, to crash and, and have parties at my at, at my place. That's what they were doing. So they were ruining their own situation. And then they get progressively worse and worse situations there. They go from their little subsidized apartment to kicked out of that into um, like a little, you know, skeezy, you know, um, halfway house, halfway house. and they get kicked out of that. Then they're surfing people's couches. Then they kicked kick out of that and they're in a broken down van. And then they, the police show up because they're, they're in an area that's, you know, uh, there's kids walking by and there's drug dealers showing up to give them their drugs. and their So so they're putting themselves in these situations step by step by step and getting in the situation. Yeah. Do you want them to, to fall down rock bottom and and uh, and stay there? No. But some, some of these people have to hit rock bottom in order to realize, OK, this is it. Either I fix myself or I fucking die. But the difference to me is you get someone in subsidized housing. Do they say, thank God I'm here. I'm going to fix my life and get Some it together. Do. Some do. And I'm all for helping those yeah. people. I have a hard time with the people who treat it like, well, someone should take care of me. Yeah. Because reasons. Well, and then a lot of those with that address are the ones that say, well, you know, hey, what's what's wrong with you know wanting to escape reality for a little bit and, you know, getting high? What's wrong with that? I'm not hurting anybody. I saw an article once, I may have mentioned this before, about they interviewed three people who were doing panhandling. It was, I think it was for, no, it was a Star Trip. And uh, the first one was this guy, he's down on one corner down here on Hennepin all the time. And uh, and I've seen him because we go by in that corner. And he's like, that's my corner. And they said, how much money do you think it would take to get out of this situation, to turn your life around? He goes, $2 million. Two million dollars? It would take two million dollars for you to get your life turned around. You know, that guy has a total break with reality. There was another guy who was um he had he had a home. He was not retirement age, but he was sort of retired because he's like, Well, I have all these physical disabilities. Like what? He was a retard. No, he was a he was a uh handyman kind of guy. And they're like, Well, what if somebody gave you a job doing that? He goes, Oh no, I, I wouldn't be a very good employee. And the whole thing was, you know, no, I, I want to find a way to not have to do this. Well, and there's a lot of guys, a lot of guys and women out there that don't want to be on someone's schedule. They don't want to be told when to go somewhere and how to do something. They, and want, they want to stay. So they don't want a, a nine to five job because that's too constricting. They want to work when they feel like working. They want to go where they want to go when they want to go. Yeah. And it, that doesn't work. No. But, you know, there are a lot of people who think, um, you know, well, we should do something to help these people. No, those people should do something to help themselves. Yeah. You know? And I'm not saying take away, um, you know, um, programs and whatnot. Um, 
they're that you know programs Let's put a time limit on them. exactly and and realize that some of these some of these people don't shouldn't be lumped in with the others people people that you see that are legitimately in a situation that you know, it could happen just by happenstance or, or maybe a bad choice led to it, but now they're stuck and they, they're just, you know, treading, you know, trying to get out of it. That's different than someone who just kind of gave up and says, fuck it, I'm going to, you know, go on drugs and I'm going to fucking, um, you know, go around treating people like shit because I'm, because I'm feeling bad about myself and fuck everybody else. And no, those people I, I don't have sympathy for. Sorry. The, the third person in this article is a woman who said, um, she goes, uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm pretty much homeless because, uh, you know, my husband and I were married and we had this house for years and uh, my husband died and we missed a payment and the bank took my house. Bullshit. I'm going, as a person who deals with banks yeah. all the time, that's, that's not how that's, that works. Yeah, that's absolute bullshit. You foreclosure you dug, proceedings. You, you dug a fucking hole through a long period of time to get in that situation. The fastest I've ever seen a, a foreclosure proceeding happen is six months. Yeah. You know, she didn't miss one payment. The bank kicked her out. You miss one payment, the bank call, will call you up and go, what's up? Yep. They, they don't want your house because now they got to get rid of it and they got to pay for it while they've got it. They want you to pay your mortgage and just get the fuck out, you know, out of their face, not out of your house. Anyway, well, we're long. Yeah, that was a subject I probably didn't want to get too into. Yeah, well, we can get into it next time yeah. or one like it. I'm sure between now and then, something might come up. And we said this is the 30th episode? Yeah. But we could be wrong about that because I wasn't planning on posting the uh, the 20, 28th episode. I was going to save that one since it's not uh, timely. It could have been used anywhere. So this might actually be episode 29. Well, it's still the 30th one we did. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. All right. You know, well, it's just like scenes in a movie. Sometimes they film, they don't film in the order you watch it. So. Okay. So get it. Yeah. I think you should post that other one soon though, because it was funny. Yeah. All you right. Good well, time with that one. if you need to contact us, well, you don't, I guess you don't need to contact us, but if you'd like to contact us. It's, no, but if you need to. Yeah. Then uh, throw up the rooster signal and. <laughs> he'll come, he'll come swinging through your window. And by swinging, I mean swinging yeah, through swinging, your window. Big old swinging. <laughs> uh, rooster at breadandcircusespodcast.com is another way you can contact uh, Rooster or Crow at breadandcircusespodcast.com. And like I said before, you know, he's supposed to be getting on Twitter. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. And we're done. See you, bye.